Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast, podcast number one. This podcast is dedicated to the economic growth and development of the city of Warren, as well as capturing the history and stories of Warren from its residents, plus whatever else is on my mind. If it's a good thing happening in the city, we are going to talk about it and promote it. We are a negativity and politically free podcast. I am your host, James Guy Jr., so strap on your headphones and enjoy the ride. Tell them, the others, find them and tell them not to doubt even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Hello there, sir. Hey, what's going on, my man? How are you? Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, I, for, thanks for letting me be your first draft pick on your show. Well, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> it's a good thing, man. I appreciate it. We'll it's see. Honor. It's an honor. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you decided to be my guinea pig. And get this kicked off. So Yeah, show number one. I'm looking forward to this interview, and I'm looking forward to getting this podcast off the ground and out there to the Yeah. So I want to get started with uh, introducing yourself, and but specifically with your companies, okay. what you do, and just generally tell me what's going on with that and everyone listening. Okay, great. So I'll do, I'll do what I do because that'll cover all three of them. <laughs> I'm the founder and CEO of all three companies that I'm about to mention here. Okay. Um, the D5 Group, probably the middle child of the three companies, but it's the one that brings in the meat and potatoes of everything. The D5 Group, essentially, internet marketing, to be broad, internet marketing, social media management, and visual content creation. There's so much more involved in that, but that's a whole nother show and elevator pitch and all that. Um, the oldest actually is Red Karma Photography, which was my baby, my first company when I left the nonprofit world. I started that company specifically to do high-end senior portraits. It's still going strong. You know, it's more like word of mouth. If you know about it, you do. I don't put a lot of marketing into that. And then the baby of the bunch is Agnew and Jacobs, which is basically, uh, I give people the analogy of sometimes a rapper will make their own they'll create their own label and sign themselves i essentially created my own art platform and then i was the number one number one draft pick for that <laughs> so agnew and jacobs is this distinction of my art cool t-shirts really creative stuff that i can't do in the the business world per se so those are the three like i said what i do in all of them is founder ceo and you know some multimedia stuff i like the creativity behind the name Agnew and Jacobs. Oh, yeah, It yeah. sounds fancy. Did, you want me to tell you the story <laughs> of on that? Of course, of course. You know me, so I'm, <clears throat> I'm candid. I'll keep it real. So Agnew and Jacobs, I wanted to come up with a name. I had all these weird freaking names <laughs> out there to the public. And uh, I wanted something, because a long time ago, I used to read, uh, there was these things like, you know, when you want to get interviews. And they were going by, like, if your name sounded black, like, you wouldn't get this interview, you know, and all that. Literally, my wife will tell you, like, on my resumes, you can see, like, I had Sean Scott, Lee Scott. Like, you would not see Deshaun on these resumes I would submit. But when I came up with Agnew and Jacobs, I didn't want my name on it. And I wanted to have it. I wanted something appealing that it sounded about business. It sounded long term. And my name, Deshaun Scott, wasn't attached to it. So I said, I want a name that sounds old. And sounds white, and it was Agnew and Jacobs, an old sounding established. How'd you come up with name. Agnew? Because it's it's a classic name. It's an older classic name. You know what I mean? How many people you know named Agnew? Zero. In the history books, though, you'll see like uh, Agnew Spiro. I think that was his name, and 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 back in there. But it sounded close. It sounded what I wanted my brand to be. Ultimately, I mean, I joke around because it does sound like a 
you know, it doesn't sound like a black man named that company, you know, right. but it gives it a mystique. It gives it some class. And Agnew is just a beautiful name. Man. Yeah. Like, oh, I like it. I like it. It sounds like Mr. Burns' son's name or something. <laughs> Agnew? And, yeah, actually, there's a story behind it, too. Like, I was reading this book that tells you, like, any brand that you make, you should create a story, whether it's real or fake. And, and there's a story I have to tell you off air, but, you know, it's basically um, a guy named Agnew and a woman with her last name Jacobs, and they stayed in Italy and met. It, it's a long story, but it, I want to hear it. it Not goes now, with, but. Yeah, yeah, it goes with the brand. So um, those are the three companies that, you know, I operate. And they're all extension of me and who I am and what I enjoy to do. But more importantly, there's opportunities in each of those spheres for profitability and, and things like that. So so I want to get into your life. I think, you know, I've known you for probably eight years, seven, six, eight years now. Yeah. I want to get into your life a little bit. You know, here you are now. You have these three companies and you're doing pretty well. Of course, we're always looking to continue to grow. Yeah, I'm, I'm going just, yeah. just in case there's, you know, tax no, people yeah, out right. there. You know, I'm not doing six figures yet, if, if that's uh, anybody's out there. Right. Right now. <laughs> we're going to crack the five-figure mark real. No, I'm just kidding. But, no, you're doing well, and, and you're definitely heading in the right direction. But uh, yeah. I wanted to back up, get some of your life story. I think it's important that we hear those stories, especially kids in Warren, that they understand that it doesn't matter what neighborhood you grew up in. You might have come from a hard background, but mm-hmm. you may make some bad decisions in high school or junior high or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But you can get somewhere. So I want to couple where you're at now with your background of uh, your life a little bit. So tell me about, you know, elementary school. You know, I don't need obviously the details, but, you know, yeah. elementary schools you went through, junior high, kind of get a little background and yeah. share your story a little bit from where you were to where you are now. Okay, we're out, we'll go way, way back. I'm in my 40s, and that's all I'm going to admit. I'll probably start Elm Road Elementary when it came to school. Like, there was some other Washington. I think I went to Willard for a minute, but primarily from first grade up until fifth grade in Ms. Hanishak's class, I was at Elm Road Elementary. I was the only black kid up until fourth grade. Uh, Reggie Williams was the second one. And, and I wonder if that's the same Reggie Williams I know. Stays in Columbus now, I think. Heavy set dude, wears glasses. Yes, has dreads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that dude I went to me, school with him for a little bit. He too. got me in so much trouble in the own road. Truth or dare stuff. And oh. me being who I am, I take the dare and do it. And then Afrina Brown was actually the third person. But I only knew that because I was, you know, there was nobody looked like me in there. Right. Um, not a big issue. I think that helped me to this day, just being universal and the people that I connect with, you know what I mean? Now, yeah, a couple N-bombs got dropped in school and I had some playground fights, but other than that, you know, that was primarily it. At that age too, I probably had an entrepreneurial spirit. I used to do carnivals at my, you know, at my house on 531 Elm Court. At that time, I had these neighborhood carnivals and what I'd do was just take old toys from siblings or myself and have these little carnival games like throw the penny in the pot or get on the back of my 10 speed and pretend you're on a roller coaster. And it'd be the kids younger than me who would do that. And, you know, they'd pay five cents for a ticket and, you know, I'd give out candy from Inksters as rewards. Like, I've always had that entrepreneurial thing going on. How old were you when you uh, did this? Uh, uh, I was about seven. Seven, eight. seven years yeah, old. Yeah, Bobby Moldovan, Michael Long, like we would all. Because, you know, what What did that was Idora Park. I would go to Idora Park, and I'd be like, just cool stuff. Like, I'd see that thing, um, the bottles with the ring, or that oh, yeah. little one with the fish go around. You had to have the magnet. I'd be like, well, I'd, well to just like a penny in the pot. You know, if you can throw the penny in the pot, you win, you know, this Hot Wheel car or something like that. And I'd make a little money for that. And that was that, man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that time, I really enjoyed school at that time. I think when my mom picked us up, we moved like the Beverly Hill Village of St. Louis. She sold her job at Packard, mm-hmm. told us we were moving, figured out where we were going. 
all I remember was crying and saying, you took me away from my grandma. Like, that was the only thing with me. Like, no more grandma. Where's St. Louis? And then when we did get there, people had gold teeth, and it wasn't pop, it was soda. And, and you know, to be honest, I'll, I tell my kids, that's probably when I really lost interest in school. Mm. I kind of did my middle school thing there. Um, went to school at University City High School about ninth grade. Um, true story. Went to school with Nelly. Um, his first video is actually our high school, University City High School. Mm-hmm. Didn't know him. Like, I can't pick up the phone now and be like, yo, Cornell, what's happening, man? It's Deshaun. Remember, you know, nothing like that. Hell of a baseball player, though, he was. So Is that why he was a good one-hit wonder? <laughs> <laughs> I could not pass that He had up. a couple Sorry. good hits, man. Oh. You know. Yeah. A couple did. singles. <laughs> no home runs. Uh, I support him because I was like, oh, another St. Louis cat, you know, up here. But So my roots, you know, definitely here as, as I talk about St. Louis a little bit. But at some point, I, I had this declaration. I think we all go through it as, as men. I remember feeling that I was a man and I wanted to come back to Ohio. I wanted to come back to Warren, Ohio because I miss my grandmother and I'm a 16-year-old man. Send me back home. My mother gave me $100, gave me a bus ticket, and I went 11 and a half, 11 and a half hour ride. I was 16 at the time maybe going into 17, and, and I always remember things on a Greyhound that I never thought I would see at maybe 3 or 2 in the morning. I seen stuff that was, like, crazy. You know what I mean? At this day and age, I probably would have been to do with my iPhone recorded and trying to make it go viral because it was some crazy <laughs> stuff. You know, I, I came back up here, and then from there, you know, obviously I was in high school at the time in St. Louis, so I would have to go to high school here and wound up going to reserve. I was there for a little while, and then... You know, the consolidation with Harding happened. Didn't want to be at reserve. Found out that even if I would graduate, go all the way to 12th grade, that if I didn't have my transcripts and all that, I wasn't going to get a diploma. Mr. Johnson told me that. God rest his soul. I don't know. He was a great man. I I don't know why he told me that. That was was the worst thing to tell me. Yeah, but he had to tell you. If I don't get this, I'm not going to graduate. And, like, I didn't care about graduating anyway. Was that the year before consolidation? Yeah, that's when he told me. So when the year we consolidated... I went for a while. I don't know, man. I just, I didn't want to be anymore. And and to understand it now, I didn't have any, got my grandmother's strong black women. Neither one of them drove. Neither one of them. I'm, I'm 16, 17, well, 17, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, my grandmothers can't tell me anything. They could say, baby, how was school? And I'd be like, great, grandma. But ideally, I was probably out in the neighborhood hanging out. I didn't mm-hmm. go to school. So there really wasn't that pressure to make sure I went to school. I was mm-hmm. basically created and executed my own personal constitution at 17 years old. So I remember one day deciding I quit. And I remember on my way down the hallway at Harding, and I remember Mr. Fowler asking me, "Am I? why am I skipping again? And the names he called me, I can't, you know, I won't say on here. It wasn't, it was just yeah. names. And I said, well, I quit, Mr. Fowler. I don't want to do this anymore. And he, what do you mean you quit? I said, I ain't coming back here. You know, I, I don't want to be back in high school. I said, I ain't got to be here. I ain't even got my transcripts. I'm running this stuff that I found out last year, too, to support my thing of not wanting to be in high school. And I remember him pausing for a minute and got a little red with that butch haircut he had. He said, Scott, because he would never call me my first name. Never called anyone by their first name. No. And I was a habitual skipper. So at yeah. this time, you know, whatever. He said, I'm going to give you, it was, it was a Thursday. He said, I'm going to give you till Monday. No, he said, I'm going to give you the rest of this week, and Monday you better have your ASS back in the... And I said, yes, sir. And I remember looking at him, and I remember leaving and getting into my little 81 Cutlass and driving off and never went back. So that episode... And it was eight years before I went and got my GD. 
because at that time, and I'm candid, I, when I used to write for the Tribune, it's all in there. The streets were my educational thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where it was at. That's where, you know, I learned how to shoot dice and, and the two-step and the fight and all the other things that go on. You know, it's a whole other university. Mm-hmm. At that time, it, it was about eight years, and I think the thing that triggered me to go get my GED was that my wife had said, you found out she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was kind of a wake-up call for that, you know, and not to say that eight years was all smooth sailing. I mean, I was a, I was bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I wasn't disrespectful, nicest right. person you ever meet, but I was doing stuff I shouldn't do. Right. I wasn't robbing and killing nobody, but I was doing stuff I shouldn't do. Shenanigans. You know? Yeah. Do, doing the do. So I went and got my GED. That took a while. Got it in the summer. You got to be strong to get your GED in the summer, especially when they got windows open. Girls wearing sundresses. Somebody grilling some barbecue, and you sitting there doing a subject you hate, in my case was math, trying to figure out decimals and things like that, you know? But I did wind up getting it. it took me three months, which is crazy. Like, three months, I got my GED. After that, I went to college, trouble business, and then I finished that, got a degree there, and I went on to Hiram College and finished that and got a degree there. And that was that's a that's a big time warp you just went through right yeah there. man I know you know you told me to go all back with that so I hit it you know I hit it hard so so you f- finished Trumbull Business College yeah was Hiram part of the plan or when did that become part of the plan Trumbull Business College was supposed to be the end game right because I just wanted an associate's degree in business but what you find out is when I was little I used to read the uh, World Encyclopedias A to Z. I would sit there and just immerse myself in it. So I loved learning. But what I found out with Trumbull Business was there were certain things I loved and wanted more of from the business management aspects of it and communication. I wanted to get my bachelor. I got my associate and get my bachelor's. YSU, Kent State, you know, I didn't even know about Hiram at the time. It was just YSU and Kent State, but there were some things that they take some credits, but you had to start here. And I wasn't feeling that. You know, Hiram had open arms. And first I was like, well, where the heck is Hiram at? You know, I had to figure that out. <laughs> But once I did the visit and everything, it was great. I wound up signing up there, man. And and actually, the summer I ended at Trumbull Business, the following summer is when I went to Hiram. I started in July at Hiram and just coasted through. Just like at Trumbull Business, I didn't take any summers off. I went straight through and got it and learned as much as, you know. And my degree I got in social science, and they, they still have this quote that is a poster of me. But my degree, man, I, I said it was like a Swiss Army knife, and that's how I did it. I wanted, you know, I can teach, which I did. I can work a nonprofit, which I did. And I could become an entrepreneur, which I have, you know. So that was the thing, right? So you finished Hiram, and then you went into nonprofit? Finished Hiram. I was in nonprofit while going to Hiram a little bit, worked at Borders Books. You know, I had to retail jobs mm-hmm. and things like that. But, yeah, at Hiram, it was primarily the nonprofit world, and, and I kind of stepped up and— just moved in advance with that degree and the knowledge that I had acquired. And so I worked in that nonprofit thing for quite some time. What dis- what was the decision for you to move out of nonprofit? And what did you start after the nonprofit? Well, a, a couple of things. I had been laid off in nonprofit work probably four times. Like nonprofit's a tough thing, especially if you're an emerging professional. You know, my goal was to be an executive director. But f- before you get there, you got to, it's steps. Mm-hmm. I really got sick and tired of being, because of funding reasons, positions cut, and you never knew when you were going to get back, or you never knew when you were going to get cut, mm-hmm. because the political climate changes with grant funding and all right. that. That was one. The other one, to be quite frank, man, I didn't like working for nobody. Did not, still don't. I work for my, you know, clients and stuff, but I don't want to work with anybody. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to work with anybody. You know, I wanted to control my own destiny. Right. And and do things and and do things that I had learned and, you know, not do things that I had also learned, too, to, to be like that. And it goes back to that carnival when I was little. I enjoyed that. 
you know, I enjoyed hiring my friends to do this and giving them at that time, you know, 25 cents so they could go to Inkster's and buy candy or something. Where was Inkster's at? Inkster's is right across the street from Elm Road, you know, neighborhood store, yeah. but it had all the good the good candy. We had this uh, corner store over by West Junior that we'd go to, and I don't, it's still there. I don't remember the name of it, but we'd before classes, we'd all walk down there and get a bag of candy for a dollar. On the red, it was on the corner, a red street building. street that is, Palmyra Heights and something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. building's still there. Yeah. My aunt, or my, my mom's cousin used to stay on the second floor of that place. No kidding. Yep. Yeah, I'd go in there every day and get a bag of candy. <laughs> 25 cents literally it was 25 cents or a dollar and you get 100 pieces of candy. oh couldn't man beat it. could That's not a, beat it yep, i wouldn't my, do it every day i couldn't eat that much candy. that was my hustle too man yeah. i'd go to Inkster's and get you know the orange annihilators and all that good stuff so man. you wanted you 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 started your own business you didn't want to work for anybody and nope. of course when you no. do your own thing you work for your clients which in my opinion is much better we don't not just here but in general we don't talk about that aspect being self-employed, working for yourself, not having specifically a boss over you. That's not really talked about in education, not knocking education in general, whether it's public or private. It's not really talked about. And if there's a, a teenager or a young person listening to the podcast, that they hear that, that it's a, it's a different thinking, a different mentality. You work for yourself, that you can do that. You don't have to rely on the jobs report that you hear in the news. Oh, I got to go get a job. No, you don't. You can go start your own job and it doesn't, yes. you don't need half a million dollars. You don't need some brick and mortar. You know, there's, there's different avenues you can go down and your story is an excellent story for that. You know, you just, you did start somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. But it took you to where you are now. Yeah. And you don't, you know, again, for me, that's part of it is I took a very long journey and floated <laughs> you know what i mean just floated along till i kind of figured things out and i'm you know quite honestly i'm still kind of figuring things out i think we we all do yeah and you know. i guess that would be considered the learning process and continually learn what i wanted to hear in that story was you worked for a nonprofit and then decided i'm not doing this anymore i want to do my own thing yeah and now here you are you have three companies you're doing well and Hopefully you continue to do well. What were some, when you made that decision, share some of the obstacles that you had to overcome or some of the hurdles. What, you know, to start you're talking with. to a kid who's contemplating their life. Here are the things you may want to look out for, or even a young adult, same situation. Well, and remember too, you know, when I went to get my, I was 26 when I got my GED and, and my goal was to have my degree at 31 and wound up getting two degrees. So for me, it might be a little different for a younger person. Some of the obstacles that I looked at, number one, we had two children. Even though I had got laid off, there was still consistent income. I knew every two weeks I was getting something. Mm -hmm. When you're running your business, you ain't, there is no certainty. Right. You know, at all. And how much pressure do you put at that time? She was my girlfriend and we lived together. But how much pressure is that? Because you're looking at the kids and you're looking at that. Technically, there's only one source of income coming in now. You know, and you're trying to build the business. It's not established. You're building it. You're trial and error and everything. So that was one thing that I looked at. I don't want to interrupt, I'm gonna, but I'm going to. Uh, the statement trial and error is yeah. a massive subject. That's not just... I make the snake and mistake and I go do something else. No, that's that's a whole subject in and of itself, yeah. trial and error and figuring out. Sometimes it costs you a lot to figure these things out. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, at the heart of it, too, for anybody to be an entrepreneur, you know, that's now you see all this stuff like being an entrepreneur, you can yeah. do this and that. See, but what they don't tell you is imagine that you at the edge of this cliff and you jump off the cliff. And the only way for you to survive is to build your wings on the way down before you hit. And that's entrepreneurship. People make that sound easy. It's not easy. You know, it, it, you can't just 
quit your job and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Now, for me, what helped was I had that edu- I had the book theory right. to run a business in that. But I also had to go back to say I also had the street theory because, you know, the two combined are very powerful. You know, looking at the obstacles, going back to that, you know, there was the thing about the family, uh, obviously income, you know, the area that I was in. You know, is there a market for it or is anybody going to do business with me? And I'm going to be honest, you know, and that's just the way I am. Even as a black business owner, Mm -hmm. are people who don't look like me going to do business with me? Because if not, then just by default, you're not going to make as much money as you want in that. And so, you know, I had all these thoughts going, is this the right area? Do I need to go back to St. Louis? You know, is this going to affect my relationship? Finances affect relationship or can affect relationship. You know, are my kids going to have the things that they deserve? you know, that I can give them that I never had. Like, it, it's just so many different things. A million thoughts go into this process. And it, it comes to the point where you have to look in the mirror and you have to really in your heart, if this is what you're going to do, you're going to give it 100%. And you know there's going to be trial and errors. You know that not everything's going to go perfect. I think more things go wrong starting up an entrepreneurship than perfect, unless you, you know, you're the unicorn of that, that space. You just do it. But then you also got to say, if this doesn't work by this timeline, I have to, you know, you have to pivot and do something else or go back to the job market. If I had to go back to the job market now, I would. I wouldn't want to, especially being this long into the game. I would. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And the trial and error part, uh, going back to that, you don't realize sometimes you made a mistake until you figured something else out. And you look back and you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, you Monday morning quarterback yourself all the time. But you have to. Every, every day. I think good business people do that. They they evaluate and see things every day. I change stuff about my company almost every day. Could be something small. It could be something big. But, you know, you do. You, you got to constantly go. And you got to remember... If you're in a, a location where it's not, you know, economics is still an issue at play, it's kind of way, you know, you have to factor that stuff in too. You know, it, it's all kind of stuff and you, you, it's constant movement. I always say it's like um, Peyton Manning, you know, back in the day when he played, if you ever notice, he'd do a huddle. And then at the huddle, they go to the line and then he start pointing stuff. And you see, he called an audible. That's entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. It's like an everyday audible, you know, and if you don't audible, then of course, you know, bad things may happen. Interesting you bring up Peyton Manning on this descriptor. One thing I learned from coaching flag football, and I coach kids who are up five to 10, somewhere around there, you have to always be ready to make an adjustment constantly. You constantly have to be looking for ways to adjust every single play. Every opportunity, there has to be an adjustment. You, you have to be willing to make that adjustment. That's what Peyton Manning does. Okay, I got to play, but I'm seeing this, so we have to tweak it here. We have mm-hmm. to tweak it there. And, and that's what you do as an entrepreneur, too, is you have to be willing to make adjustments. And take falling down is just part of it. And sometimes you don't realize, like I said, you don't realize you fell down till you see where you were versus where you are now. Yeah. And that goes back to you as a young man from Elm Road to... Western Reserve and every point in between to where you are now, it can be done. Yeah, it's I and that's an encouraging story that I definitely want to get out to anyone. Yeah. I don't care if you're 40 years old yeah. and you're just now figuring things out. Well, you just now you don't know what you don't know until you know it. We're some, ironically, <laughs> we're some strong, strong human beings, man. We're a strong species. I have a lot of sayings to myself and things I think about. One of the main ones, and I tell my kids this too a lot, is that you won the race. You won the most recognizable, biggest race in the world, and that's to be born and to be here. Mm-hmm. You beat out millions, I think that number's right, millions or billions of other competitors, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And so you deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. So you make this opportunity while you're here. And you make the opportunity whether 
you know, you a late bloomer like myself who really didn't start getting moving until 26, or whether you're 50 or whether you're 60, enjoy this time that you hear. And, and, and if it's something that you want to do, you do it. Because as far as I know, because I'm not reincarnated, I don't know if there's a second opportunity to do it when you leave here. So you do it while you're here and fail if you fail, succeed, you know, you learn from your failures. And the other thing, too, is that you give back. At some, at some point, you give back. It doesn't have to be monetary. It could be a conversation. It could be, you know, a resource or something, but you definitely give back. No, you know, to me, that's 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 the ethos of who I am. I forgot to ask you earlier, where you're, where's your office? I am at 125 West Market Street in downtown Warren, Ohio, the business, central business district inside of the Tech Belt Energy Innovation Center. We're actually a tenant, and I'm on the second floor. So we, here you are, downtown Warren. Warren has a sometimes justifiably bad reputation. More often than not, it's not justified, exaggerated. It's good things going on here in Warren. Move the subject a little bit. Why you came to the Energy Tech Belt the Energy <laughs> Center? Tech Belt Energy and T-Bike. T-Bike. Sure. Well, yeah, we yeah. Call it T-bike. I was trying to actually fill the whole name. <laughs> What what's that? Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so yeah. Pac Man. <laughs> so you came, uh, you moved your office to downtown Warren. Yeah. Yeah. So share a little bit about that, and then a little bit about uh, your experience here at uh, T Bike. When we decided to to move, and I'll say I, when I decided to move, we were in Niles. By we, you mean your wife and you making this decision? Actually, me to move. I'll okay. get to my wife in a second. Okay, I thought there was a. Wife edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to her in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I was in Niles, and at the time, you know, Niles was primarily a red karma thing. But at the same time, you know, and it's no disrespect to the city, there was really nothing going on in Niles downtown. Niles, just, I'm sorry to interrupt. Niles' blessing is the mall, Niles' curse is the mall. Yeah. Their downtown is is a ghost. Yeah. Is an absolute ghost because of the mall. And I seen. They have the mall. I seen when the Dollar General left and places started to close, I mean, to me, that was it. Great location to be at that time when we first moved in there. I think it was 2015, but not so great as far as growth. I started coming, you know, things were happening in downtown Warren. Uh, Originally, I wanted to go in downtown Warren, but it was one of them things in business because Red Karma was photography based. There were too many photographers close to downtown Warren. There was only one OG who was in Niles and another OG who was closing up. So ideally, I was like, I'm just going to go to Niles. And it wasn't far. Straight right. shot down 169. So that's why I didn't push moving in downtown Warren at the time. Finally, though, D5 came. It was born. And, and you know, I had to get away from the Red Karma brand. Everything out there was we're in downtown Niles. I started coming here at T-Bike to co-work. Even though I had an office, I'd come down here to co-work in the facility, bring me closer to people, you know, like yourself or small businesses. There was some development going on down here, some moving and shaking. And I remember co-working for a while and I just asked a question one day, like, hey, you got any space? T-Bike, if people know, has been here for a long time. And it's, you know, at the time it was kind of just like bare bones, like people didn't know what it was, but it was just here. And so when you come inside of it, it's like this beautiful space. And all I seen was opportunity. There was conference rooms that were, it was just a good vibe, you know, wasn't a lot of people in it, but just I look at things and I'm like, ooh, opportunity, opportunity. So I got a tour of the place. We went into this one where our office is now, and I walked in, and I'm like, wow. They had already showed me two rooms, and I didn't like those at all. And I went into this one, I'm like, wow, this is nice, you know, cool. And then she told me how much, and I was like, ooh. Because I had started, you know, my rent was way lower in Niles, way lower. I could have stayed there and been stacking. Mm-hmm. 
And when I got here, I'm like, mm, okay, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm going to let my wife see it. And, and maybe I can, you know, increase some services, D5 and all that other stuff. So when Erica came up, I remember her walking in. She might have took five steps, man. She looked at the window to the view, looked around the office, nice. and she said, you need to be here. And I was like, but, you know, it's she's like, this is where you need to be. Things are happening downtown. You know, I had just started a relationship with a client who I have now. There was just a lot of things going on for my growth purposes. Warren is my home. I mean, right. my mom and sister and daughter in St. Louis, St. Louis is my heart. Warren is my home. There's people who are council people. I mean, there's people who know me when I was just barely to walk under the table. So I have my connection to downtown Warren. I didn't have a connection to Niles. Right. It was time for me to come home. And it's interesting, some of the, the public figures, when I come to events, I was in Niles, but I would come to the Warren events. They'd be like, oh, what you doing? Ain't you, ain't, ain't you a Niles guy? Or they'd be like, when are you coming home? Right. And finally, I signed the paperwork, and here we are. And it's been great. Been some growth, a lot of good opportunities. You know, we've held events here. I've really got to build my brand under D5 and connect with some awesome people. You and I have done events here. You know, there's so much more opportunity, and it's still going. So this is the perfect place for me to be for now. I remember when I first came into the building two years ago. When did you get down here? November of 2017. So it would have been around shortly thereafter. And I always thought the same thing. The potential here is tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. You just need people pushing and yeah. pushing and pushing. And I think there, there, there's always a tipping point in everything. And I think we're getting to that now where it's starting to build. It's really starting. I don't know if we're near that tipping point, but it's really starting to build. You can just see a completely different space in here now than yeah. six months ago, let alone two years ago. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very inviting now compared to where it was before. You had to, if you came in, you had to have that vision in your head yourself yeah. versus seeing where it is now. Yeah. I'm really grateful. Uh, that small conference room when you come in, I always wanted to do something great for my grandmother. And they had a sign on there that said sponsor, sponsorship available. And I remember the accent, she's no longer here. And I was like, well, how much is it? No one could give me a Price and you know I'm like because I used to co-work in that room and it felt great it felt like my grandmother's living room it was small quaint and very hot because my grandmother keep the <laughs> heat the on, heat like, up Woo, Jesus I would love to do something special like put this in her name for a few years and they gave me a price and I was like oh heck no mm-hmm. absolutely not mm-hmm. you know and we negotiated some things and you know we helped with the branding the orange that you see on the glass and all that i brought in mike kajari of impression media to do his installations and bring his creative concept and so they allowed me we agreed to be able to sponsor that room you know once that happened i was like okay this is great i put my grandmother's plaque in there and i said well i'm not done i wanted to start bringing people in here mm-hmm. you know get people in here and as i mentioned before you and i we've done events with just getting people in here and, and helping people. And I hate to use the word network, but it is kind of network, building relationships. Connecting. Connecting people with authentic relationships and doing it here and getting foot traffic. So, you know, and I got to say the T-Bike leaderships have been very welcome into that. You know, Rick, you know, I've known Rick. When Rick first started, I think I came three months after he started. And he, he's, you know, he's a great guy, visionary. You know, he truly loves the city, cares about the city. Um, now we have Sarah Daughtery who's in here, and she's just getting the ball rolling. So they, there's some good movement going on. And then around the area, you know, Mark Marvin's doing his thing. And, you know, it's just you can feel some good energy happening here. And then even Cockeye Barbecue out there on the west side. And I can't me, that's tell a, you how much of a pickup that was for that neighborhood. That is a fascinating story. 
story yes. in it, in itself and to do that. And I can't and wait to get them in here to bring people on board and all that. So, you know, the city's the city's going and, and I fight for the city because I get so tired of, you know, it's like if something happens in Warren, it happened in the whole city. Yeah. You know, something yeah. could happen at the very inch of Warren to where you go into another city. Oh, it happened in Warren. That means it happened in the whole city. The whole city's bad. That's crazy, man. Come well, if on. you look in the newspaper, anything, you know, the county courthouse is downtown. So anytime there's a criminal prosecution, the heading says Warren. Yeah. But the crime was somewhere else. <laughs> People yeah. subconsciously just think all this stuff happens in Warren. And, yeah. it, and it doesn't. And again, I'm a realist. There yeah. are they think there's crime in war. I mean, it's a city. Yeah. But it gets a, a, a that's an aspect of I think unjustifiable uh, dislike. Yeah. For lack of a better phrase. But yeah, you 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 see the paper and it says Warren and you assume that's the case. But when in reality it's not. So I make sure I read the first paragraph. Oh, this happened there or wherever. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Maybe they need to change that up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> but there are good things going on, and I'm uh, part of this. One of the motivating factors behind this podcast is to promote those things. Absolutely. You know, there's a, I don't remember who, I should have looked it up before I came in. The broken window theory. Oh, yeah. You know, if you have a house with a broken window, if you fix it, it's not likely to get broken again. But if you leave it broken, the rest of the windows are going to get broken out because people don't think anyone cares about that building. And for too long, we've had too many broken windows. And I can tell you, and this is my opinion, and I'm looking forward to getting other people's views on this. What's going on in Warren is because the residents have had enough of the broken windows. Yes, and they're coming back despite everything else and saying, we're going to fix this place up. Yes. And that's yeah. what's happening. You got some good organizations out there, too. Sure, know, absolutely. Uh, TMP, phenomenal job. You know, uh, you know let's be um, honest. If they weren't there right now, we would still have hundreds of buildings, old homes standing that should be torn down. That's why I put phenomenal in there. Yeah. <laughs> phenomenal job, man. They, they are. are. They you are. Know, keep it real. They so. get accolades across the state. Yeah. Absolutely. Good people working for them, too. I, I think they're an asset. And there's some unsung community here oh, that's, absolutely. that's doing some wonderful stuff, too. They may not make the newspaper. I'm not taking a slide at the Tribune. Maybe no, no. But there's some unsung community heroes making some stuff happen that don't make it in the headlines. I'll just give you an example. You have people in neighborhoods who look out for each other. I will put my parents in there, my mother and father. They still live in the same house on Southern Boulevard for the past 49, 50 years, somewhere around there. I forget how old I was when uh, they moved there. Uh, there's still some old timers left that they've known for 30 or 40 years. And my dad's pushing 80. And when the snow comes out, he goes and plows the whole sidewalk on that block. And he'll plow some driveways on that block. Yeah. My mom will donate, not necessarily donate food, but we'll get food donated to me. And then we take it. I give it to her and she passes it out in the neighborhood too. And they're mostly elderly. It, there's, that's just them. There are people all throughout Warren who do that. You know, there was a, they were taping a video here Saturday for some type of documentary or something, nothing affiliated with us or T-Bite. And I was up on the second floor in the conference room getting some work done. I had stepped out to grab a beverage out of my office and I stopped and listened. They were interviewing this lady and she said she was from Warren and she was bringing up to 70s, early 80s and things like that. She said one of the things back then, the community moved as a group. Yes. You know, they moved as a group. They looked out for each other. She started talking about the churches and how the churches would come knock on the door, everything okay, you know, what's going on. But it was interesting because you brought that up. And she said that, like, you know, in the neighborhoods, it wasn't just, okay, I'm just going to shovel my snow or just cut my grass. You know, it was this whole community, you know, or sub-community in this neighborhood that they all stuck together. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, I think that's from a whole standpoint. 
I think that's missing. There's pockets of it sure. that happen, but I, agree. I think that's missing. And it may be generational. I don't know. Maybe. But they're setting the example. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, those are some of the stories I would like to get out, too, is growing up in Warren and w- things like that that were done. Yeah. Because you just don't hear about it. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't get into the newspapers. People no. kind of get tired of being tired. You know? Yeah. A, a good story. A good story is great. A good, authentic story is great, especially when it's someone, you know, I always use, like I said, unsung community hero, just really. And there's a lot of them. There are. There's a lot of them, you know, out there. And I'm, I'm very blessed to know a few of them. So we talked before. I want to give this lady a plug. Who's the lady from Trinidad who has a hat shop downtown? G's. I think the name is G's. Okay. She's uh, right there across from the horseshoe. And when I say across, she's close. She's going towards the courthouse. Okay. So she's right across from the horseshoe there. Been doing... Sunday hats and, and all that other stuff. She has a daughter that works for her. I think her name's Kim, but she's been there quite a long time. Quite a long Never time. Never knew until you told me that. Really? Yeah. I love what a lot of people don't right. know that. Like, but We got to fix that problem. And it's one of them things, too, you know, the Sunday church hats is mm-hmm. definitely a older black, well, I won't even say older black woman thing. It's a cultural thing in the black community for the females and mm-hmm. all that. So a lot of them Dressed up in your Sunday best. Her, and, and there's a gentleman who had Willie's car wash, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. I'm going to have him on my show, but it's very interesting because this dude started a car wash. I think two years ago, he finally closed it, but- Phenomenal. Actually, my blueprint of running the business was kind of based off of him as far as dealing with clients and customers because here was the thing. He was located near the projects in the Fairview Gardens, Mm -hmm. but his clientele, white, black, came from Youngstown, Warren, or whatever, all of them. He wasn't a black business, you know. Right, right, right. It was just amazing to see that. And these are nice cars coming in, you know, you I'd take my car there sometimes, but you know, there's people like that, not just black either. There's, there's, there's all kinds of people with these businesses that just don't, people don't know about them. And it's like in your hometown, right? Get them in the room and just talk. How did you, how did, how did your business run this long going through, you know, black Monday and there was discrimination back then. And you know, how did all this, how did you survive all this? How did you keep your family intact? How did you make ends meet? And a business like a car wash where in wintertime, you know what I mean? How did you, how did you do that? I want to know that. These are people that those stories need to be out there. I'm a big believer if you build it, they will come. If yes. you build a good product, I don't care where you put it, people are going to come. I talked to Eric and Stacy at Cockeye Barbecue. I looked forward to getting their story on here, but a little snippet, They, um, I talked to them about it. They'll tell you, they, they told their friends they were going to do this, and their friends, oh, don't do it. Don't put it in that street. Don't put it there. Don't do that. It's a bad neighborhood. No, it's not. No, it's not. They build it. They're blowing up. They are. They, they are. are blowing up. They just leveled a house and added parking because they were constantly short on parking. Their food is phenomenal. Which, oh, but you telling the audience, not me. Uh, no, I know you know. Yeah. What <laughs> I'm like, I had it. If yeah, it's barbecue, good. I've had it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing phenomenal. It's added traffic to that street. Needs it. Uh, you know, because crime don't happen where there's a busy street. You yeah. know, crime happens where it's. Quiet, not a lot of traffic, not a lot of, traffic. Not a lot of people floating around. Yes, sir. And so my my hope that will continue to be cockeye will stay there, of course, um, but be a trigger for additional development that it can be done. You run a good business, people are going to show up. Period. That's the key. Run a good business, you know. I'd like uh, to see Parkman Road develop. I mean, West Market on that end of town is just a disaster. Yeah. You get Parkman Road kind of going again, it will pour over onto West Market. It will happen. It's just going to take time. But we have to get enough people to stop seeing Warren, especially the West Side, as broken windows. 
It's time to fix those broken windows and sharing the story, success stories of repairs and bit successful businesses and growth. I mean, it's there. They're the yeah. opportunity, you know, I it's look at it's not complicated. It is not complicated. <laughs> and I look at Warren and there's just so much potential. The Mahoning Valley, where we're located, we're right between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. We're right between New York and Chicago. We have major interstates. Why not here? Why not build here? Why not? The land is cheap. The homes are reasonable. Neighborhoods are good as a rule of thumb. Yeah, you're going to hit. We have really, we have good communities across the board. Warren is a good community. Does that have bad neighborhoods? Absolutely. We have everything a company would want. So what has stopped that? Again, this this podcast is politically politically free. And so I'm not going to entertain that. That's for a coffee shop or bar conversation. Right. Nonetheless, should stop you or me or anyone else from making the best of the situation and building anyway. I agree. And that's what this is about. This is a built uh, this is a small cog, a small brick in this house that of the good things that are being built here now. And we get these stories out, your story and anyone else, especially in Warren, and they're out there. Oh, there's a lot of them out there, man. There's and I don't know if I can get them packed in, so <laughs> uh, you also have a, a podcast, correct? Yes. Tell me about yes. it. Yes. I have the Sound and Wisdom podcast. I've been messing with that for a long time. Originally, those started as audio clips that I would kind of put out, but the Sound and Wisdom podcast is it's basically again, we going into candid discussion of who I am as Deshaun. So, I believe that mainstream media, particularly local and regionally, I don't think there's a not a lot of content that gets pushed out for small business owners like myself, a person color minority there's just not a lot of it you know i think it's i'm starting to see and this is just coming from a marketing standpoint which is why i did it i just see the same people and the same accolades and they throw these names on them as thought leaders and the wise sage or whatever it is but me i get so frustrated with that because there's so many people female hispanic uh, white black whatever they're under that radar they're doing these phenomenal things and they're not, you know, you don't see a picture of them giving, you know, five figure, six figure donations. Yeah, they ain't got it like that. You know, they right. can't even they couldn't even do the three figure donation, but they're out there and grinding it out and they got so much wisdom and insight. Right. Man, I knew a lady who used to sell fish. She should have taught a oh, class. Oh, you gotta tell in, this story. Yeah, she should have she she should have taught a class in hindsight because I was younger, but to see her navigate in the project, you know, all she did was sell fish. She had her bad side too, like if your money was short for the second or third week in a row, whatever like that, but just she would like talk to me about different things, like you know, getting her fish, and like she would talk about inventory, which went over my head. Like I didn't care; her fish was good. Right. The longer I listened, the more right. she fed me. That was the hook. <laughs> but her experience, she had to respect the neighborhood. Little Lily just sold fish on Fridays and Saturdays. People respected her. She made her money. She would give, you know, what didn't sell. She'd fry up and give it to people. She would donate some money to the church. But she'd just kick you with this knowledge. You know, she would just give me advice on how to deal with people, you know, because I had a little sparse temper, you know, when I was younger. And she talked to me how to deal with people or just, just some great advice. And I apply some of that now, you know, in my business. Because there was a time, to be honest with you, as business owners, sometimes you still you have to learn that things are business. And you'd be like, I ain't dealing with that client no more. I ain't doing this anymore. And some, you got to be a little bit humble and strategic in your thoughts. And she had that, man. She definitely had that. So she, she made, she cooked the fish? 
Yeah, she she cooked got it. the fish. She cooked it. She sold it right, right there, there, right at the grill. I don't know if it was you know health department. No. You know, but who cares? But yeah, I mean, that's not then, the point. Yeah, of the whatever. Story. But she you know yeah sold it. Got more inventory. Got more fish. She used to work with the guys who would go to uh, Mosquito Lake and some other places and fish. I mean, she like literally because she only stayed two three doors down from my grandmother. Sit there and hear her talk negotiating. You know, I paid you this much last month and I could get it from such and such with this and mm-hmm. you know I don't well you can go to such and such and you just sit there listening to all this man. It's like oh. And then you apply that now to yourself. They were negotiating with a little bit of humor and some some whiskey in between them. But oh, sure. <laughs> you know, they were negotiating. Yeah. Like, there are people like that alive now who no longer do that, but they just got advice. Yeah. It's like going to McDonald's. I think that's cool. I'm trying to get my son to do it. Go to McDonald's. I do it. You go there randomly. You know, a lot of the older guys, they kick there Saturday or Sunday. They sit in those corners. Yep. Whole crew of them. And I remember the first time I did this, I went in there. And, you know, people personal. And I went there and the guys were all sitting there. I said, hey, I had just cracked 40. I said, hey, can I ask y'all a question? And I think one of the guys knew me. But, you know, I said, can I ask y'all a question? And, you know, they kind of looked at each other like I was interrupting the <laughs> they, they morning session. And he said, yeah, go ahead. And I said, if you could do it over again in your 40s, what would you do different? And, man. You sit there. I think I was there maybe half hour, almost 45 minutes. It started out with like things like don't get married, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Right. But it, it, it was just a whole bunch of things like, you know, stick with your dream or, you know, learn as much as you can. And then they got some old school stuff, you know, be sure to, you know, call your mother at least twice a week or just stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating. And they tell you, you know, if the conversation goes a little longer, you know, they'll tell you some some of the mistakes that they made or some of the regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I wish I would have went on ahead instead of doing the military thing. I wish I would have pursued my dream to do this. And if I could do it. And when you look at people in their eyes and they tell you that and you can see. Yeah. Now, that's strong, dude. You know, and, and it helps you become a better person and, you know, those things. So, yeah. Yeah, that's something I recommend anybody do. As when I see guys who look like they were old steel workers because they're still wearing their steel working clothes, mm-hmm. yeah, I just want to go and listen to their stories. I would, you know, tell me about it. What was that like? I know with both my parents retired out of Packard when they were still with Packard was still owned by GM. The place used to have thirteen, fourteen thousand people. Yeah, what was that like? You know, you work with these people for thirty plus years. This isn't they're not, you know, they're not just coworkers. You spent a lifetime with people. Mm-hmm. What was that like? You know, I mean, we don't know what that's like now because there are no employers that employ five thousand, let alone fifteen. Yeah, times have changed, man. And you that's don't have that camaraderie like you did back then when the mills were booming and the factories are booming and you know, you could walk out at graduate high school and go to the next day and get a mill job or work in the factory and make a decent living and that's you know, another subject, but you work with someone for 30 plus years, you know, you have a bond there. That knowledge that they kick out and that wisdom is better than any audio book or book that you could ever get because it's a local, right. you know, you're getting that local thing and right. it's a it's a conversation face to face and you just learn. I think people should do that. Yeah. That's the real talk. Yes. That's the real deal. People should do that. Well, we're not uh, wanting to listen to our elders it's today's society, which is unfortunate, but I there are some out there. Well, <laughs> I that's because you're becoming an elder. <laughs> I listen just because, you know, yeah. it's wisdom, man, you know, and, yeah. and what I don't think works for me, I don't throw it out. I just put it in another compartment and might come up at another time. This has been a good interview. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Man. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of good going on. Not, It's not enough in Warren. And it's no, it's never going to be enough. You got to keep just going and going. And well, the mentality should be that it's never enough. Because as soon as you think it's enough, you're going to slip and it's going to get passed by you and it's all over. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. 
I'm excited for some things that are happening between everything from Packard Music Hall to Robbins Theater to some of the investment going on downtown, the yeah. condos being built, the brewery downtown, T-Bike is growing. There's a lot going on. It's a, it's the starting point to something bigger, hopefully. Yeah. I want to help get that message out and and share some stories in the process. And I'm glad that you were willing to share your story. Oh, no doubt, man. man. No doubt. You know, I'm always cool to get behind. Probably do another one. I mean, uh, well, once we get our uh, events. Event going. Yes. I don't don't want to say too much more, but. (laughs) That's right around the corner, man. We will have a, maybe we'll do a little recap or something. Yeah. But uh, we got the platform, Sound United Podcast Studio. Yeah, which, let me give that a plug real quick. I'm in here, Sound United Podcast Studio in T-Bike. It's a brand new podcast studio. If you ever had an itch to do a podcast, I did do. Well, now I'm scratching that itch <laughs> like yeah. a bad rash. Right. <laughs> it, it's good. You're doing the right thing, man. Trust me. But uh, yeah, there, it's here. Podcasting is the future. And uh, if you want to do it, come down. Talk to Deshaun. Reach out to him and uh, pick his brain. If you want to, whatever it is, get started. That's 90% of the battle, getting started. So get started. Get, you get got, if, you got, if you have any... Inkling to do something, do it. Just start it, man. Just start it. Let me give them our number real quick. Give it. Plug it. Uh, our phone number, it's the D5 group, but I think we are extension four. Yes. Yes. Which is our sound manager. Um, Kim is 330-469-2015. That's 330-469-2015. And you'll talk to Kimberly Gonzalez, who is our studio manager. And our other partner in crime and genius is Jim Sabella. He is our sound engineer. They're generous with genius. They are phenomenal, and I'm not just saying that. They're they're great at what they do. So uh, if you get that itch or, you know, you're ready to move on to podcasting as a marketing tool, make that phone call. Get started, man. Get started. So I want to wrap it up. I appreciate your time. Appreciate being here. Fen Warren.